This is Chuck Seigers, and you're listening to More Than 140, stories that go beyond the tweets and the Facebook posts and the Instagram captions. If you haven't seen the documentary The Story of Film and Odyssey, then listen to this podcast and then just do it. It's on Netflix. Binge watch the entire thing, if only so you can sound intelligent when your friends talk about movies. So when the subject turns to Tarkovsky, for example, you can say, I didn't sleep for three days after I saw Ivan's childhood, and people will nod. And if anyone asks for more information, just shake your head and say, wounded. I was just wounded. You see how easy it is to be phony? I should teach classes. I could be a phony coach or run for office. Somewhere toward the end of this 15-part documentary in a discussion about The Exorcist, there's a short interview segment with actress Mercedes McCambridge, who did the voice of Satan or Beelzebub or whatever was possessing that poor little girl. Not like I saw the movie. Good grief. My wife still has issues with it. That segment with Miss McCambridge unsettled me, though, because it appears to have been shot in the 1980s, since she looks about the same as she did when I knew her. I say knew her. I worked with her. Spent a summer in repertory theater with her in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was an opportunity for college students to get some professional experience and to work with a seasoned actor. And Mercedes McCambridge was seasoned. Spicy, even. After a brilliant career in the days of radio drama, Orson Welles once called her the best radio actress of all time. High praise. She made a number of feature films in the 1950s and 60s, winning an Academy Award for All the King's Men, before drifting off in her later years to doing the sort of thing she did in Flagstaff and episodic television, along with writing a couple of autobiographies. And she was a scary lady at times, although she softened toward the end, and I found myself drawn to her skill and presence. But she was Irish and temperamental and a recovering alcoholic who spoke her mind frankly and pretty much immediately and never suffered fools or fool-like people or bad stagecraft. This is amateur night in Dixie, was one of her favorite sayings, not intended to be kind toward amateurs. Or Dixie, I guess. Anyway, she died a decade or so ago and can harm young egos no longer, but she's been on my mind. It was that summer, 1980, that I met Janice Hoffman. In fact, I'm pretty sure I met her at auditions for the company in the lobby of the theater. We spent a lot of time together that summer and then shared some more time at Northern Arizona University and then a year in Seattle when a group of us from college lived up here. She moved to New York after that and has never left. She was a wondrous actress, always getting better, but we lost touch after the early 90s, and when I finally Googled her years later, I I found out that she was something called a life coach. This sounded strange to me, a little woo-woo for the practical and focused Janice I knew, but then I started wandering around her website and I understood. She coached performers, helping them build whatever it was they wanted to build. Sometimes semantics throw us off balance until our cultural awareness catches up. A coach. A coach is a coach. Nothing woo-woo there. Or with Janice, who generously agreed to talk with me last Sunday morning. 
half of our conversation was personal, just catching up on people we knew and what we'd heard, not podcast material. But what you're about to hear, I think, will charm and inspire you, which sort of describes Janice anyway. Charming. Inspiring. And pretty damn cheery in the morning, if you ask me. Oh my God! What time is it there? Is it seven o'clock? Eight o'clock? It's, it's eight o'clock. Good morning. Thank you for doing this so early. And thank you for doing this. Oh, I'm excited! I know. How fun is this, right? It's been fun. It's uh, it was a crazy idea that uh, that I played around with the idea of podcasting for a while, and and I couldn't come up with a really good idea. And it's also I had to kind of get over the I know that, that we're all talking about narcissism now with social media, but we just need to get over the fact that this is new technology and it, it just, it, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to tell our stories before, you know, so we, we don't need to be worrying, I think, so much that we're talking too much or oversharing. I think that's, that's a fake concern. But that would, that came up. It was yeah. like, why, yeah. why would anybody be interested in, what I have to say or what anybody else has to say. So Because we love I, stories. We love hearing other well, people's stories. You know, I know so much I know so much about people that I sort of know or I used to know. And I have these memories of the way they were. And now I it's sort of like if you think of it as an alphabet, I I know A really well. Yeah. And now I know Z. And I know sort of what they look like now, yeah. and I know what they're doing and what they're interested in and what they think about and what their kids look like or grandkids yeah. or husbands or wives and whatever. But I don't know what happened in between. <laughs> oh, does anyone remember that part? That's the part. That's, that's the hard part. Well, but that's what I'm looking for. That's what makes me curious. It's like, how did you get to where you are today? Because that's not what we're picking up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. We're not. We're not learning the story, and I. And that's what fascinates me. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's right. the whole genesis of this. That's so interesting. I love it. I love storytelling, and it goes back to, you know, why when radio, good radio is good, it's great. I mean, you know, I love long form radio. And, oh, yeah. You know, and that's about stories and that's about that fabric that you can't get in little sound bites. So it's cool. I love that you're doing this. I mean, it's just, I think it's a great, it's this technology is fantastic, especially this, because here we are. I haven't seen you in 30 years. Yeah. And we're, <laughs> and we're sitting here talking. And, and, and what the nice thing about, Again, once again, about social media is we it's, it's, keep enough contact that you don't feel like you're coming out of the blue. You know, know. it's like, yeah, I you, you ride your bike along the Hudson <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I know that about you. I, and, I know it doesn't yeah. feel like thirty years. It doesn't. I mean, really, it's true. It's been great that way. Something so something happened the other day, and I had, I debated whether or not to bring it up, but I think you'll. You'll get it. Um, and it was uh, a friend of mine, uh, a nice man, sweet man, smart, funny, intelligent, good guy. And he posted something on Facebook that uh, he had found on Twitter. It was a Twitter bio, you know, what one of those things that we put on our Twitter page. Yeah. That, 
you know, a few words that says what we are. We try to be, yeah, yeah who we are. Try to be cute. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And this person had listed all of these bizarre little occupations that didn't look like they existed, you know, and and some and then some ordinary things that were kind of extreme, like mother of fourteen, mm. um, but professional dog dancer trainer. So I don't, you know, whatever it is. And he thought it was funny, and he posted it, and then there were some comments, and then and I should say that I can't find it anymore. I think he probably thought. Even though he didn't mention her name and it, he didn't know who she was, he he thought it's not fair to make fun of somebody. So I think he took he took it down. But before he did, he there were other comments on there. But he said, "I was surprised not to see the term life coach up there." <laughs> so and, uh, and the hackles on the back of my neck rose a little bit, uh, not just because of you, but because I spent. Um, most of last summer, you know, having weekly sessions with a life coach. And, and so, you know, I thought, oh, you're, that's so 2009, you know, <laughs> you think it's a made up job. And, yes. it's interesting uh, about that is, well, it's true. It's like yoga. You know, everybody's a yoga instructor, everybody's right. a life coach. But when I started, um, when I finished, I went to, a school, Coach U, which sounds stupid now, but that really what it was founded by Thomas Leonard, who is who's since passed away, but really was the at the frontier of the coaching industry. And when I left that program, it was three years, three three year program, we had to I had to educate people what a life coach. I mean, in order to make a sale, I had to educate people what a life coach was. No one no one knew what it was. It, no one had a coach at that time, um, except right. for executives. But you know what? Oh. Actors always have coaches. Uh, yeah, well, singers do too. That's right. I mean, that's right. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it's such an aggressive form of, I, and not in a bad way, but I mean, it's uh, of therapy. That I mean, it makes so much sense to call someone a coach who's. Who's involved? I mean, I in, rather than just listening and 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 taking notes and things. I mean, it, the combination. Uh, what I see and what little I know when I when I kind of like interpret what I what I see things that you talk about or you write about. Um, and I and I yeah I read your blog when I can when I when it pops up and and your ideas and I think. This combination of inspirational and aspirational yeah. is is what makes the difference to me. That the idea that you're not just saying you can do this, and that, but the other person is saying I want to do this, and you're saying, well, you can do that, and they say, and I'm going to do this too, and I just this this synergy. Yes, that's right. And, and it, it excites me, and so I I just think of it as evolution. I just think this is what we, you know, this is what we're we're going to be referring to a lot of people as coaches. Absolutely, from now on. absolutely, and it is evolutionary, um, evolutional. Is that the word, evolutional? <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's make. Let's use let's it. Let's use it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's where positive psychology. I mean, you'd think that that you know that's new. That science is new, like 2004 new. I don't think the program existed at UPenn until then. And, and man, there's no going back 
to the science of happiness and the science of thriving. Um, but it's, you know, that came out of um, really, truly, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, the self-help industry really, without the empirical evidence, you know, kind of held a place card until somebody was ready to show up and, and, and put some testing behind it. So right. it's interesting. People want it. People and, want it. Uh, do you, uh, are you still frustrated by having to explain or, or no, do people Lord, pretty I much don't have to expl- No, I don't have to explain at all. I never had, you know, now I'm more, <laughs> I'm almost like um, I get a little like, you know, I don't want it to get watered down. I don't want it to be um, thought of as, something you know there's a lot of cynicism because you know what there is no real accreditation involved so everybody is a life coach and I get that that. you know I I must say that I don't always really refer to myself as a life coach I certainly it's a it's a part of my training but because I've spent you know all those years in the theater or in the entertainment industry a big part of how I work is is really um, influenced by building things so and building things with creative people and so a large part of what I do is that and it's influenced certainly by my training as a life coach uh, because I do and now and and as a life coach and then recently most recently my work in positive psychology which is just mindset that's just about you know listen there you know there's the outer game and there's the inner game and if you Mm. if you can upgrade both of those at the same time then fantastic you know I love that right (laughs) instead of suffering you know, an artist, the artist's life is very scary. And so we could use some mind game, you know, some inner game stuff. And that's what I get from the life coaching. Other than structures, which are phenomenal, I mean, it's great to have structure. And a lot of creative people, you know, feel like that might interfere. But actually, if you can help someone set up the right structures, then they, they freaking kick ass. So that's really, so sometimes I'm really, I mean, life coaching is almost too, I mean, life is big, but it doesn't exactly really say um, exactly what I do. So I don't, no. you know, I don't want to, so I almost don't get myself, I don't go, I don't say that out loud a lot. <laughs> Okay. You know, just because um, it does well, box me in. Well, I want to, <clears throat> I want to understand what you do. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but but I'm but to go back to my alphabet model. Okay. Uh, the last time I saw you, actually. Was and we'll, I'll just do the exposition real quick for anybody who's listening. That we 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 met in college. Uh, we did a we spent uh, a summer working with Mercedes in the Cambridge, <laughs> which was uh, oh my god! Uh, I'm so happy that I did, but because I I have such great stories to tell about it. But what a great uh, summer! Yeah, it was and it was a great summer, and I got. And then uh, we attended at the same time for a couple of years. Seems like at one point you went to Europe for a while. but right, I, I went to Boulder, and I lived with Kurt. 
I lived with Kurt Strive in Boulder, Colorado, and I saved money. I worked at a restaurant, saved money, and traveled around Europe. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It's trying, trying to, you know, you we worked with in and out with different people yes. and trying to place yes. them, and of course, memories thirty years down the line. Yes. But we did uh, actually see each other again in '92 when uh, Cliff White retired. Yes, I, I, uh, yeah. So that's the last time that we saw each other. Wow. So and and right then I got the sense that uh, of what you were doing that you were acting you were directing. Uh-huh. Um, at some point you made a reference in your you, you gave a, a, a you, you spoke a little bit at the at, yes. the, yeah. at the event and you you talked about feeling like you had been spinning your wheels mm-hmm. at some point that Cliff had given you some suggestions and help. So so where did you go from there to where you are now? I mean, how, what was that process? Well, um, let's see, 92. So I was in the city then. Okay, so I was living in New York City, and I was, you know, I was really serious. I was training very seriously, and I was auditioning very seriously, and I was getting, you know, I was doing some theater work. It was good, um, but I was not getting younger, <laughs> and um, it was getting... Um, you know, I was starting to feel like I had put a great deal of my life on hold. There was no question that I was starting to feel curious about other things. I mean, figure we spent, you know, my high school years, my college years, and then the next 10 years doing theater, you know, thinking about theater and studying and training. And I was getting really I was just really ready for some changes, although, I mean, that's what was going on inside. And then um, a friend of mine who is still, I'm still, we're still business partners or or I'm on staff at her acting school, the Ward Acting Studio. We trained together. We we trained, um, we went through a Meisner training, um, Mm. you know, did the whole training together. She mm-hmm. went on to become a teacher, and then she went on to start her own school. And at some point, early on in her her business, she said, "You know what? My my the actors could use some mentoring, you know, some career mentoring. And you know, could you do that? Could you help them out?" And I was like, oh, "I don't want to do that. I don't know how to do that." And she says, "Just do what you do for yourself." Um, because I was pretty organized, and I was it was going along. You know, I was pretty successful at it, and so I did. I I started a workshop, and like two people came, and then I mm-hmm. and then I then six weeks later we did it again, and then four people came, and then you know six weeks later we did it again, and then eight people came, and then we had two workshops, and then I had you know it just went along like that, and then and then I was you know, leaving a very important relationship. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do this. I'm, I think I'm going to stop acting and I'm going to go to school and I'm going to, I'm going to do this really. I'm going to really, I, I, I intuitively, I'm very good at it, uh, but I think I'm going to like learn how to do it. And at that point I had hired my own coach and that was phenomenal. It was like one of my best years ever. I was like, uh-huh. this is great, man. This is great to have a coach. <laughs> this is really good stuff. So mm. I did. I I just, it was really a decision. It was kind of a 
turning 40 decision, although I never, never clocked. I never felt that way. I was never like, when I turn this age, stop. But that's kind of how it happened. I was sort of ready. I was really, really interested in doing some other things. And that was one of them. So I went to school, went to Coach U, which was a three-year program. It was a really legitimate, serious, like, master's program. And... And all along, and during that time, I was doing the career mentoring at the studio, and my business was really growing as I was training, and that was kind of my, you know, my lightning bolt is what I call it because all my work has always grown out of te- working with actors. I mean, you know, that's where I get all my clients. Really, is right. is from that space because that's the space I'm really, um, it's where I'm empowered. You know, I understand it from all angles. And so that's kind of how it happened. And I, you know, and then I've gone on to, um, do more entrepreneurial work with more entrepreneurial kinds of people when it went out there in that way with a lot of, um, women entrepreneurs in particular, um, and, you know, that's kind of the story. That's how it started anyway. I think that's the que- answering the question, how did it start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I get it. And, and uh, I got the impression that it, 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 it actually it makes perfect sense and, and it fits into my picture of what you were doing, that that, you're, that most of your clients were actors. And, and then you started to spread out a little yeah. bit and you're getting your toes, dipping your toes into other fields. And I yeah. love that. I love that, and, and I love to see it when I do it, and I love to see it when my friends do it, too. Well, because, because actors go on to become entrepreneurs, or they go on to start, you know, work for big, you know, I've had uh, many of my actor clients have gone on to become very successful, whatever, you know, many other things in their life. So that was just a, a part of their life, and, and I've remained their coach along you know throughout that transition and along that journey quite frankly most of the clients i mean you know i'm lucky i have to you know i'm lucky that many of my clients stay with me off and on forever <laughs> you know i mean i don't coach them forever but they come back they leave they come back they they uh-huh. come back so that's good well, it brings up a, a kind of a, a side note for me, and it was it's something that used to always irritate me. It irritated me when I was at school, and irritated me in the years after I left school. And I know we went to a small, small school, so maybe it was different in other places. But I don't remember anyone ever. Maybe I didn't take the right classes, but getting down into the nuts and bolts of of what you're going to do if you're a performer, if that's your focus. Uh, you know, how do you get a headshot, and 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 how much work did we do actually on real life auditions? Not the kind of auditions you do with your friends in the audience, but auditions where you have two minutes. Right. And right. what kind of material do you use, and how do you choose, it and how do you learn from your mistakes, and all those things, and 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 how to how to stay alive while you're trying to to get acting jobs. And, and I thought that was missing. It was yeah. all sort of uh, abstract, sort of, yeah. we're going to teach you how to love theater and we're going to give you a chance to do theater. But 
then you're on your own and and it irritated me i thought we needed we needed more work than that you're right yeah and so i love the idea that uh, that there's somebody like you out there who can who can i'm I'm assuming that's part of your mentorship yeah it's huge huge part of it well you know it's interesting i think that's probably your you will see a lot more of that now because there is a lot more there's a whole industry around helping actors accomplish their goals. I mean, you know, they're in many different ways. There's a lot more mentoring out there. But I'll tell you what we did get, that if students don't go to college, a small college like we went to, is we had a lot of time on stage. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's that's another piece of it. You know, that's just another, you don't, maybe you don't get, it's not, you get something and we got that. And, and that is part of the competition is we got a lot of time, you know, learning how to rehearse and learning how to, you know, I, I mean, I still had to go away and learn how to act in a certain, another way, but I, I knew how to build a play. I mean, I knew how to build a character. I knew how to, a lot of people do not, they do not have that and they're the, you know, they come out of school and they're a certain age and they have a lot of catching up to do. Oh, well, I, you know, I used to look at people who, who were determined to be actors and I, and I used to think, you know, if you can only get a spear carrier role in four years at a small college, I would rethink this. I mean, I just yeah. logically, practically. <laughs> I got so much experience in high school because I was just at the right place at the right time. I was the right, uh, I, first of all, I was just a really good mimic. So I was, <laughs> so I, you know, I could pretend to be other people and I, you know, I could change my voice and I also was, I wasn't too tall and I wasn't too short and I wasn't, uh, too pretty. So I could only, play a certain kind of role uh, but I wasn't so homely that I could only play home uh, yeah. character parts I could play a lot of different parts and so I got tons of stage time yeah. and I learned Absolutely. and that's how you learn Absolutely. you have hours and hours and hours in front of audiences Absolutely. and in rehearsals and the same thing happened in college yeah. too. and then they started doing a season around our talent I mean you know we all got one of those plays you Oh, yeah. You know, that was like uh, with us in mind. You know, where do you get that? I think that's really important. And when you, let's say, come to New York City and you haven't had any of that and then you're plopping yourself down into New York City, man, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen that way. It doesn't happen (laughs) there. (laughs) You know, you're already in the thick of things. So uh, it's important that time on stage. So that's what we got. Uh, but right, yeah. no. Who knew how to do? I mean, who knew how to do anything after that? Uh, yeah, that headshot thing—that would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think though, what we did go—I mean, we did—we weren't able to sustain it. And I guess that's the. This is always the piece of it that, and this is a big thing that I ha- that I work with anybody building something, isn't it? So for us, we went away, we went up to Seattle and and started thinking, you know, we kind of saw ourselves cohesively as a group, as an, you know, we can make this happen together. And I think we were right on about that. But the key was to get it past the place we knew how to do it. You know, we needed, 
you need some outside or some kind of influence or structure to really build. And that's really where I come in with my students because I can get them excited and I can create a an environment for them to thrive, you know. But what do they do when they leave my environment that they're thriving in? And that's where I see the ball gets dropped. And that's my goal is to help them not drop the ball because it's dropping the ball almost means starting all over again, often. And that's just delays our fatiguing and they we lose our, you know, we lose our self-esteem. And that's kind of, I think, sort of how I felt. I think we probably all got to that place in Seattle. Like, how do we do what's next? Yeah, yeah. And in how I love that time that we we spent a, a, about a year yeah. together before we started peeling off. Yeah, yeah. Although, although Julie and I are still here, in case anybody wants I to come know, back, we're just holding down the fort. <laughs> uh, but but we, you know, I, I and uh, I, I I am not about to to make a comparison to Friends or any other. Hollywoodization of the experience because everybody goes through it. But if you're fortunate, you can do it with people that you know and you love and, and who care about each other. That is to spend a year in a brand new city learning how to be a grown up. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it's so important. And, uh, and to have support around you is is so drastically important i think it's the one thing that my daughter and i share we're very much alike but i was thinking the other day we're both family builders it's very important for us to build families regardless if they're blood or not uh, to have them around us yeah. she has created her own family and, and and i think it's so important yeah it's fantastic it's exciting to see i love it and i love that you know, I mean, if you can, I mean, if they're still doing it, then at this point, they'll probably stick together forever, right? Oh, yeah. So these people yeah, are, they're connected yeah. for the rest of their That's lives. That's right. That's right. It's like we had to reconnect. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, I guess snail mail wasn't, wasn't working for us. <laughs> no. And then you forget to make phone calls That's and right. suddenly you realize it's been six years. That's and, right. And you don't know anything, and it's it's awkward. Uh, would you? I know you're branching out, but uh, so would you say that that your clients are mostly young, young, youngish? Um, young. You know, that's interesting. Um, uh, mostly youngish. No, <laughs> you know, there is certainly my age, too. So um, I certainly coach a lot of peers. But, yeah, I mean, the youngish people come through to me through my workshops. So that's the thing. My work, that age range doesn't change. Mm -hmm. It's still wow. it's still the a young emerging artist that comes to New York City for six weeks to do a summer intensive or something. And they they definitely stay that age. I'm the only one that gets older in that classroom. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that, that – and so those people, now that, you know, I like to think we're going to grow up together. I mean, I like to stay in touch with them. I like to coach them if I can and stay – you know, help them build. Um, but then I have the people that – 15 years ago that I started coaching or 16 years ago and we were all the same age. <laughs> so, oh. you know, so it's, it's a wide range of, 
I don't coach a lot of people older than me, though. That I don't do. I don't know okay. why. I mean, I guess because they have, they are, you know, they 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 are doing other things. They need other things. <laughs> so yeah. I think people think I am maybe younger than I am because I I sometimes think I act that way, but. Yeah, I think you do too. I think you look younger than you are. I mean, I know how old you are, yeah, roughly. Because yeah. the same age as you, probably, or you're younger, maybe. A couple years, maybe. But yeah, we're in the same cohort. Yeah. But yeah, I can tell. I can tell. I and appreciate that. And I, the reason I ask is, is I had the experience uh, a couple summers ago of of spending a summer working almost exclusively with 27 year olds. And, and I mean 27. I think one guy turned 28 during the shoot, but they, that seemed to be there. They all were of exactly the same age, which meant that they were essentially a generation removed from me. They were my children's ages or what could be my children's ages. And I, um, and, and I'm sort of used to it because I, you know, I've spent, I always, I always spend time with my daughter's friends and I, and I stay in touch with them. And, and when I'm out to visit her, cool. yeah. they come over and I'm friends with them and, and, uh, I, we have relationships. And I mean, and the ones who are still up here in Seattle will stop by the house occasionally and with, with their kids and it's fun. Yeah. But, Yes. I, I was not prepared. And, and part of it is, is because I, I've been working at home since I was, uh, like 30. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I didn't have that period of going through a corporate world or whatever, right. some other kind of business right. world where I would grow up and become a mentor to younger people. Yeah. So I was, I just was overwhelmed with the energy that I got, uh, from, from being in their presence and also the also the awareness that that we had different experiences and i had and i wanted to be careful and i was a little self-conscious you know and i was like keep your mouth shut you know don't 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 embarrass yourself just you know only use your best material (laughs) (laughs) only if you have something really funny to say should you say it but some of the you know the since these are all film uh i love it students and, and i mean the the volunteers i mean the people who just wanted to work on a feature film any feature film just because it's a different experience than doing a short um they were volunteers they just they they got coffee they went out and got new batteries they they did that they scut work they were all graduates of film school that's amazing that's how serious these people were yeah. and so <clears throat> We talk sometimes about about movies that we enjoyed in an end, and they'd bring up one, and I could I could I would listen to them for a while, and I could just lean back and say, "Yeah, I saw that when it came out," yeah. and it was kind of a cool experience because it was like, you know, can you imagine if if uh, I mean I'm thinking of my some of my favorite films from the '40s or something to talk to someone who said, "Yeah, I was there opening night of Casablanca," right? Yeah. But you know what I notice? Okay, so that's basically the age range that I'm coaching. You know, in the workshops, is I like I look at them, I go, I was never that together, or I was never. I mean, sometimes I look at them and go, you guys are so with it in a way that I do not remember being with it. <laughs> I mean, so I admire them as you know, for there's something about the age 
that um, I don't know. It's just this. They're, they're sophisticated in a certain way that I don't remember being. So sometimes I feel like we are. I still am. You know, this. They still are my peers because they have a lot to. Um, you know, I learn a lot. I always learn a lot from my students. Well, they've also to go back to our our evolutional word. Uh, I mean, they've built on what's come before. That's right. There's been a lot of talk about how do we get all these amazing child actors on screen in the past twenty years? It's because they've been watching movies yeah. their entire lives, yeah. um, and they know. Yeah, uh, you know, and they're talented. But they, you know, I, I even in college when we would when we would go and and watch high school actors, I could tell that they were better than we were when we were in high school. Yeah, that they they were learning. Yes. Uh, from watching. So. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're better actors. <laughs> yeah. That you know, that's what the interesting piece. I mean, I'm I, pro- I you're probably right, but that is one thing I never know for sure because I actually don't work with them on their acting. So I can help them build something and not know anything about their acting. Um, I mean, eventually I hope to, you know, I will because I'll go see them in a show or something. So some, you know, it's sometimes it's more about just their life experience is different. You know, they're exposed to so much more. They have access to so much more. So they bring a lot to the table. And and what about you? Do you, uh, are you, is this, I know you're, you know, and I, I keep coming back to this, but I'm just, I just love to hear that you're expanding and you're still reaching. Do you still perform? Do you still think about performing? I or No, I was really clean. It was a really clean, um, it was really clean. I, I mean, it was a really authentic decision. It wasn't forced on me. It just, it came, you know, it was a moment in time I go, Good, good work. This is really great journey. This has been an, an amazing education, an amazing experience. I love doing it. I was very good at it. And I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And I and I really meant it. It was really I was I'm done. So I was lucky to sort of already have started, you know, bridging that, you know, because my friend, thank God, that was really that happened to me. I didn't go seeking that out. Um, the opportunity to start building workshops. So, so no, I'm not. But I do speak. So I, you know, I do do public speaking, and so clearly that has helped me a great deal. <laughs> being able to use my, uh, you know, my experience on stage. Yeah. My voice is strong. I know how to tell a story. Uh, you know, so. Oh, my God, it, it informs everything I do. It informs all of my coaching. So did I leave? Not really. I mean, I stopped performing. The only thing I really regret that I didn't do, or, you know, during the time that I was really training was not seriously think more about directing, oh. you know, earlier on. Now I would not do that because it's just, you know, I know what the career is like. I, um, mm. Earlier on as a direction, you know, as a, as a journey, you know, like training and thinking about that unless on stage, I think that would have been, I think I would have really, really enjoyed that experience um, because I like to build things. Yeah. So, but that, you know what, so I help other people do that. Oh, I'm so and happy. Yeah, yeah. 
You're happy. Oh my God, I have. I live up here. You know, I live up here, so I left Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, for 18 years, and then kind of got pushed out. That was, um, you know, be, becoming really gentrified and very, very, very expensive. Oh. Get really crowded and really busy. And kind of, you know, as I feel the same about, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you, I mean, I think when we moved to Seattle, it was very frontier. I mean, it was still very rough, really, you know, still on, you know, you know, Microsoft hadn't moved there yet. You know, it's still kind of crazy. You know, we had, there were opportunities that probably do not exist now. Uh, No. And that was how it was. And quite frankly, in New York City, all in general, because um, it's a very corporate city right now, and so yeah, it was it was different. It was to see something gentrify go from being rough, which means obviously drugs and guns and prostitutes on one hand, but artists right. on the other. You know, that's where artists can afford to live. That's where right. People can afford to start their own stores or their own coffee shops, and that's kind of not really true right now. Yeah. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, let, I eventually moved up here. I bought a place up here, and right, you know, and because I knew, kind of before things got gentrified in Brooklyn, I sort of kind of had a sense of well, what does it look like to be just on that edge of something changing? And mm. that's what I saw up here. You know, I kind of stuck to the river, the Hudson River. I thought that's what I want to do is I want to stay on the river. And I kind of got up here and I could see, you know, this is, you know, it's got some really, really rough areas. But then if you cross over just over that invisible line, I thought I could live right here. (laughs) And that's where I am. And, you know, unfortunately, the truth is it hasn't gentrified like I thought, you know, hasn't Mm. quite happened yet. It will eventually. It will eventually. But, um but in the meantime, I live on the Croton Harmon Trail, which is amazing, the Aqueduct Trail. I live in the middle of the yeah. woods, and then I live, you know, 40 minutes from New York City. It, yeah, it sounds actually a little Seattle-ish. I mean, the, having access to all the to, to a to a major metropolitan area, but at the same time to nature and. Yeah. and to get lost, to be able to get lost. Oh, and that's so important because I was getting to the point where this is loud and crowded and I was getting, it's starting to stress me out. I, I just, and I needed some way of, you know, removing myself from it, but still, want, you know, I love it. I want to be in it. Uh, but I, I, so it was perfect. It's exactly what I needed, which is, you know, I love waking up and it's wild out here, but, you know, I need to go to the library or I need to go to the museum <laughs> or I want to go see some theater or whatever, you know. So, yes, it's perfect. It's exactly what I needed. To me, to me, what it, whatever system you use, whatever philosophy you have, whatever spirituality you engage with, to me, the goal has always been joy. I can't think of any reason why not. Why would we be, uh, uh, unless you believe that in a like a a faith system that that you were created and put here to to either evangelize or to serve God or something 
something else. What other reason can there be except to to experience the extreme of human emotion, which is joy, which is to to think, I, what a gift we've been given. God, blue sky. Yeah, that's right. Mountains. Some water. people forget that, though. They really lose it. They lose touch with that as a as a as a reality, as a place to be able to live. I mean, it's true. People get really cut off from it and stop. Mm-hmm. You know. And it is it has been a joy to talk to you to hear your voice. I I I I, I didn't intend for this to 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 work out this way. I mean, I just really wanted to hear stories from people, and I realized there was a lot of catching up to do. But I have discovered how comforting and how much pleasure I get to hear voices again that I used to know, that I used to hear all the time. I know, right? So. No, this is great, Chuck. This is great. <laughs> and. I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And uh, we went a little longer than I wanted to, but that's because we got a little personal. And that doesn't need to go on the podcast. But, uh, we'll edit some, right? <laughs> and this was a great podcast. Thank you so much. It was so fun to talk to you. And I hope I get to talk to you again when we're not recording. I, we don't. You know, when you're on your book tour and you're doing your one-man show, you bet. Yes. Yeah, your living I, room series. That's right. You were, were, yeah, thank you yeah, very much. And I, front row seats always for Janice okay. Hoffman. Okay. okay. Have a great day. <laughs> thank Bye. you. Thanks, Chuck. We'll talk soon. I hope so. 